0: Hi, I'm Vox Teen Communications Senior Editor Rich Eldridge. Welcome to the Vox ATL Guide on the Side podcast. In this series, we'll talk to youth development professionals to spotlight their work and bring you behind the scenes stories from our community partners. We'll also share experiences from our own nearly three decade long commitment to amplifying youth voice and leadership across Metro Atlanta. We borrowed the name for this podcast from one of our founding principles for Vox's downtown Atlanta newsroom, where adults guiding on the side have assisted two generations of teens in our youth-driven safe space to create media, share their stories, and develop their skills as leaders. We're excited to step up as guides on the side for the youth development field, amplifying the voices of the people in the work and highlighting the expertise all around us.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. It's really great to be with you. And, and just want to say that it is exciting to get to touch base with this group again. This idea of guide on the side publications coming out of Vox digital media is really about lifting up the bright spots in our field. Needless to say, we've had an extraordinary year and are continuing to have an extraordinary year. And so we really just want to take this opportunity to to share and to listen to one another and to talk about what our plans are for the future. So we're going to start out with an introduction Vox style, we call it the go around. The go around question for today is Is there a memorable moment that you want to share from your programming from the past six months? And I'll I'll model. I'm Susan, she, her pronouns. I work at Vox. I'm the executive director. At Vox, I would name that I am 38 years old. I will lift up our year-end, semester-end showcase at the end of 2020, uh, where we partnered with the Alliance Theater, where we hosted a showcase of our teens incredible content and the content that the Alliance teens created. We did it all virtually. And during that time, not one adult spoke. Um, It was completely teen facilitated and teen led from the the prep to the debrief. And I was just so in awe of the young people that showed up and, and expertly facilitated as well as the adults that listened and participated. And Kelly, I'm going to pass to you because you were next to me in my gallery.
2: My name is Kelly Britton. I am the Director of Operations and Programming for the Harvard Debate Council Diversity Project. I am 40 years old. Uh, We are currently in our fourth cohort and we do assessments during the program year just to, you know, gauge. Um, This is the first program year we've had the majority of our students present riveting, like soul-shaking core touching presentations. So they were to take a word and create a powerful message with it. It was a reminder of not only the pain um, that some young people are enduring, um, particularly and specifically around this, this pandemic and the isolation that it creates, And the, but also the time and the space that it creates for these young people to really think about their experiences and put them into words. So Caitlin, Caitlin, we're touching like the Brady Bunch, you know, the grid at the beginning of the Brady Bunch, we're touching. So Caitlin, I'm going to pass it to you.
3: Okay,
4: my name is Caitlin Beatty. I work with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Metro Atlanta as as one of their teen services managers. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, and I'm 27 years old. And my memorable moment would have to be um, kind of our culminating event for our, one of our premier programs is called Youth of the Year, where our members go through eight weeks of public speaking training, but also advocacy training. In this past year, we didn't have a big gala for them to go to because, of course, that wouldn't have been safe. So they had to deliver it on screen, but seeing how these kids were able to adapt to their new, that new normal um, and deliver really, really powerful speeches, even though they were technically in their homes with the different distractions that we've talked about um, and being able to to deliver a really forceful, um, impactful speech was really something special. And I will pass it to Aaron.
5: Hi, I'm Erin Weller-Dalton. I am a teaching artist and communications director at Moving in the Spirit. I'm 38 years old and my pronouns are she, hers. And a milestone from um, the past six months at Moving in the Spirit that really stands out to me is our, our show and tell that we did in December with our students. So usually at the end of every semester have some kind of culminating event. And with the show and tell, there was it was our first time ever producing a virtual event like that, and one thing that um, I was so impressed by is you know some of the performances were record pre recorded and shared, and then some were actually live from Zoom, and you know which was the first time we had done something like that with students, and just their poise and just like to stand and like hold that space, and keep that presence and not freak out. I mean, if the future is in their hands, it's going to be okay. It it was just so inspiring to see that, you know, this is their outlet. This is their home where they come and they share their voices and they're going to find a way to keep participating and keep doing it. Um, And I'm going to pass it to Jeff.
6: Uh, Good morning, everyone. I'm Jeff Street. I'm the chief operating officer with Usher's New Look. Pronouns are he, him, his. And I am 47 years old. Very difficult to choose a single moment. Um, I'm going to point to two if I can break the mold. In mid-January, uh, our young folks decided that they wanted to have a session. And uh, in response to the many police killings that we've, we've been experiencing uh, that have wreaked a lot of havoc on our mental health, our young folks wanted to hold a conversation to just kind of talk and check in on each other. Uh, and they wanted to lead, obviously. I was privileged enough that, that they asked me to serve as a moderator. But truly, in, I, I wasn't a moderator. I was just in the room. And I was in awe of the exchange of ideas. And it just felt so good to see our young people come together and think through these complex issues that we adults really struggle with. Uh, Our second, my second moment is uh, we had a campaign uh, that we relaunched called I Can't But You Can. And, and the focus of the campaign was to help young people understand that even if they're not a voting age, that they're able to impact elections. And this last, I'll say, two sets of elections, uh, because we had the runoff here in Georgia, were so critical to the trajectory of the country. And our young people really leaned in. Uh, we did 11 virtual sessions in total. Uh, where we, we covered a wide range of issues around voting, guests such as the, the uh, amazing Insei Ufat from New Georgia Project, Cliff Albright from Black Voters Matter. But we also had um, several different text banking parties, which was a really cool concept where our students reached out to prospective voters across the state to encourage them to show up for both elections while we weren't advocating for or against any candidate, you know it was really exciting to see them go to go to work. Uh, and in total our students sent over 500,000 texts to people across the state. Now I'll say that number again 500,000. Uh, that's remarkable to me. Uh, it was impactful we can tell as, as the, the voter turnout was extremely high and I will pass it to Crystal.
7: Good morning, everyone. Um, I am Crystal Faison-Mitchell. I am 40 plus, and moving in the spirit, I am the special projects manager, Um, pronouns uh, she, her, hers. We had A group of uh, girls in our, what we call our Glow in Motion class, uh, Girls Leading Our World. And they, on March 14th, 2020, were supposed to do a culminating dance that, that reflects upon their time. And then they get to kind of graduate from that program and move on to the teen program. And it ended just like that. We've had these engagement activities. We'll meet outside and we're socially distanced and we're masked, but these kids have not been in the building. They have been dancing in boxes and, you know, they're getting all frustrated because they're still just trying to take this dance class in this box. And so we had one uh, long-term student say, hey, what happened to our piece? Are we going to do anything about it? I took that as a call to action. And we hadn't circled back about their piece that got shut down on the day of. And so we welcomed her feedback uh, and then we did something about it. We got the choreographer together and she started rehearsing with them on Monday evenings. And so this past weekend, for the first time ever, one year to the day, they were supposed to perform it March 14th, 2020. And on March 14th, 2021, they arrived at the building in their masks and they walked in and they got to do their senior piece, together in the space, the moment she spoke up and voiced her concerns. And I knew that we had created an environment in which the truth could be told. And that's what we need. And I believe I was the last person. And so I will go back to Rachel.
3: I just had to write that down. Creating environments in which truth can be told. To round out the go around, I'm Rachel. I'm 51. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I work at Vox. And y'all have shared these big, big moments. So I think that I'll share a little bit about the tiny moments behind the scenes. So one thing that comes to mind for me is that the preparation uh, and the support for young people to then show up as these leaders that y'all are talking about in all of our big events. So one thing, the moments that come to me are by request of the teens, we started creating facilitators first Fridays, really thinking intentionally about how to bring our train the trainer curriculum, which used to be a multi-day, six hours per day, because it's interspersed with meals and breaks and team building in the space, how to bring this train the trainer curriculum into the digital space where there's no way we're going to stay on Zoom for six hours at a time. So I guess my moments that I'll share are these really tiny moments where young people said, well, let's brainstorm how to turn help, help, or let's brainstorm how to turn the, the big wind blows icebreaker into a digital community builder. And the other day, we finished uh, facilitating a, a Zoom based listening session about summer date wide after school network. And in our debrief, the facilitators were talking about what worked and what they would do differently next time and how they have grown as facilitators. This whole session was created and facilitated by young people who are new to Vox in 2021. We've never met them in person, but they have built community with each other through their own skills, through the kind of atmosphere that y'all are talking about. Welcome, Ruben. We just finished our go around. I want to invite you to share. One milestone or memorable moment from the last six months?
8: Okay, so I am Ruben Royster. I'm the regional director for studios and production for the Boys and Girls Club of Metro Atlanta. A memorable moment in my last six months was when we were able to have kids back in our clubs, and I was able to have a small pot of eight kids, and we were able to um, do some really amazing things pertaining to music, and studio production.
1: Always such a gift to be with people who care so deeply about this work uh, as we as we look towards summer. So I really want to just have a conversation with folks. What does your programming model look like right now? And what are you thinking about for summer? You know, at Vox, for instance, we we have made the decision to stay virtual for the summer so that we can do the thing that we did well last summer, make some tweaks, improve upon the things that went really well. And we are also in the process of thinking through what it will look like to return to some in-person programming in the fall with the recognition that we might make a plan and have to tear it up. And yet we also do recognize that there's going to be this kind of holistic shock to the system and, and what it feels like and means to be back in, in
3: person together. So valuable too. I want to bring Lee into the conversation to do a little intro and the question that we've been, but just what is your status of programming right now? Are you virtual? Are you uh, in person or both? And what are you doing to plan for summer?
9: Hi, um, I'm Leah Rolfus. I am the executive director of Girls on the Run, and this year we've learned the hard way our reliance on partnering with schools. So we are um, like ninety-nine percent after-school girls get out and go to the to the field for practice, and uh, so we transitioned our curriculum to a virtual program so girls are doing their jumping jacks and their lunges in their living room as well as the social emotional discussions Um, so lessons are shorter in the virtual space but we tried really hard to find safe outdoor spaces for our girls to meet we're about a quarter of the size that we normally are which pretty heartbreaking because we know how badly kids need us right now if you're virtual it's yet another zoom even though we're not your average zoom it's still staring at a screen for another hour, 90 minutes a day. So yeah, I think at the ramp up of the spring season, we thought we're going to be a little bit bigger than fall. We have more girls participating in person than we were in the fall season. I really think we did everything that we possibly could we were still small, um, and spring season is what it is. We are staying close to our partners, our schools, to see what we could do for the summer. We have a camp curriculum. Whew, fall, I'm, I'm sure we'll be in the same boat with some virtual teams, as well as continuing to increase our percentage of in-person teams
3: one thing I'll just say out loud to uh, reiterate is something we shared at the very beginning of this conversation: is you are in community, so just know that you're you are in good good care, good company. So, can we maybe toss over to Jeff?
6: Our plan now is is to stay in the virtual space. This is a safety precaution. There's so much that's still uh, unsettled and unknown. You know, we were fortunate in uh, making the virtual pivot just before the lockdowns happened. Now, I, I don't want to imply that it wasn't a big change because it, it really was. You know, our, our services, like most of you all, are really predicated on, upon relationships. And so, you know, we have looked at a few opportunities and had some community service op- opportunities that were socially distanced in small numbers. But as far as summer programming goes, last year we launched our virtual summer academy. We, we deliver content several days a week sometimes three and, and five sessions a week on a wide range of topics that we thought were exciting and interesting to students it's tough uh, it's it's very unsettling you know you, you want to kind of have a solid plan that this is part of the work we do I, I I think that we all have learned to be adaptive in spaces and sometimes you know as you as you all know something always goes wrong right I look forward to the days when we can you know have everyone in the same space and you know give somebody a pound or a hug but for now Now it's got to be in this virtual.
4: Yeah. um, So for Boys and Girls Clubs in Metro Atlanta right now, we are operating with members in the clubs at a limited capacity, very much smaller numbers than what we, we are used to having in our clubs. And our clubs are following the school system based on reopening plans. So some of our clubs are operating as distance learning sites, meaning that they are open eight to four as a place where kids who don't have access to technology and don't have access to Wi-Fi can come in and do their virtual learning from the club. Other clubs who's, who follow school systems, and I don't know if you guys know this, but Metro Atlanta falls under like eight plus school systems. So we we have a big reach about uh, 10 counties. So if the, if the school is open or going back to school and the clubs are doing their regular after school model, and we have opted for pods, which means that the one staff stays with that same pod of eight to 10 youth in a room. And we're not shuffling in kids aren't, aren't coming into the to different spaces they stay with their 10 people in that same room so our staff have gotten really creative on how to make those spaces really feel like home really feel like their space and we are still evaluating summer as i'm sure you guys know things are changing very quickly for us we're just monitoring the situation before we uh, really make a decision about summer
7: at uh, Moving in the Spirit, we have primarily, as I mentioned before, been online since we, I think since April of last year, but we are hoping to move into the fullness of what our hybrid block schedule is. All the kids online are in in these pods of 10. And so we actually had to cut our enrollment in half for each class. And then hopefully they'll be able to come on site. Some kids are block A, some kids are block B. Then obviously we've had a a big learning curve with technology and technology will remain a part of us. we sent around permission slips to parents asking, what would make you feel comfortable? with your child moving in person. So the kids who are comfortable coming in and from their group of 10, they'll come in. And those who are not comfortable will stay at home. And then it's on the teacher to to learn how to teach both equally and equitably. Moving forward to the summer, we're still planning our dance camp. Last year, we did it completely digitally. And this year, we're going to have some in-person elements to that camp as well. And then in the fall, we're going to continue hybrid. So we're not going to look to change that formula until we talk about you know september 2022
2: i'll jump in here um super exciting to hear about the different models that exist what we are planning to do our summer programming has always been remote in nature because we do we bring our new class in between april and june so we have we're currently in like our admissions process and so our admissions process has even changed because we were an organization that was really big on you you know, rubbing elbows, like we need to meet. And so we have had to adjust our admissions process. We are going to have, this is our now going into our second year of students who start this program not having been physical, you know, proximity to one another. So we're working on how we do that effectively from admissions, moving them into summer enrichment. And so we've got to look at ways, whether it's breakout rooms on Zoom, whether it's scheduling these Zoom calls intermittently between the The big sessions, doing mini sessions, has been very effective for us with small groups so that the conversation can be more balanced. And then we will be um, face-to-face in the fall. And our classroom is um, small enough in ratio where we can have them all in the room spaced, obviously socially distanced, but it has worked. And we hope to be able to continue that going into the fall. It's a
3: nice segue to Ruben too, in thinking about how to adjust our, what we're learning in this virtual space, (laughs) like doing hybrid programming. Ruben, you have the good fortune to be able to bring together that small pod of young people to create some online offerings. Will you tell us a little bit about the, the way that you're music program has created a hybrid approach?
8: Um, I really want to approach it from a couple of different angles, what have been the challenges and what have been the successes in this. So the successes, I'm going to start there. In the virtual space, we've been able to touch more of our kids in community as opposed to just being in your club. So me now um, operating from an organizational level, I can create programming and I can reach all the kids across the organization as opposed to me personally have to go to a club, then go to another club, then go to this club. So I'm able to reach more of the kids. That's, that has been a great success for me. One of the challenges has been trying to create a hands-on technical experience for them in music and in the studio. You have to be hands-on. So one of the things that I did create was something I called the Auto Studio Workshop Series. And in that, I wanted to be low-tech but high-quality. Well, we were still getting all the elements and qualities and teachings and techniques of the studio, but bringing it outside the studio. And the key in what I did was I captured everything, low-tech, on my cell phone, on my iPhone. I captured everything. And we were able to create a video that we published on YouTube that was called the um, Virtual Auto Studio Series culminating event. That was good and then we were able to use applications on the phone because most kids have cell phones or access to a phone so we won't have to worry about having these grandiose programs like pro tools logic and all this stuff that costs hundreds of dollars we just use simple apps from GarageBand to um, iMovie to create these things. So you can see it can be done low tech, but it's still going be a high quality experience for you. You still can learn. We're going to um, have some in-person learning, but we're going to take that in-person learning and live stream it to the rest of the organization. So the um, instructors can facilitate the same thing we're doing. So I don't, I really don't feel like we're gonna go back to anything. We're just gonna take things we're learning now and adapt or adopt them. Again, I do like the interaction as it pertains to events and as it pertains to like being able to have performances and productions where people can come in and see. That's a rewarding experience for our young people. Like, how do we get back to a place where we can have high-level public culminating events? that's one of the things that I'm working through. Like, how can we do that? Like even having a drive in performance where people drive in, of course, and we have it on a parking lot of one of our um, clubs and they can still perform in person and still get to see them live. Even just through a windshield, but just thinking about things that we can do that become a part of our new normal that can still give us those common name performances. Cause that's what, that's a principle that in arts that we have to perform. Like if we're creating things, you have to see it. I mean, what am I doing it for? Right. Ruben,
1: you've Definitely got my wheels turning and ideas flowing, which it segues really nicely to our closing question, which is what is a workshop that you would want to host for your colleagues around something you've experienced or learned or want to impart? And I will start and say that it is so vitally important that we give the care to one another that we give to our young people. So taking the time to check in every day. And touch base around the things that are affecting us as people too. We'll we'll pass again, just like we did with the opening. I'll pass to Kelly. The one
2: I would teach would be entitled, Tech is Your Friend. There is no turning back. And so I just want all of us to jump this hurdle. There are still several educators who are very resistant to utilizing tech and it is not an option. What is your goal? To remain the teacher that's using the overhead projector in the classroom, and that when you are challenged to reach beyond the tech that you are comfortable with, your willingness to do so. Because it says a number of different things. One, it says that you understand the needs of 21st century students. Now that the, the box is open, we've got to continue to take the things out of the box, right? And process
4: and, and perfect as we move through.
2: So Erin or wait, no, Caitlin, we're touching. Our boxes are touching. I'm passing it to you, Caitlin.
4: One of my uh, expertises is, is graduation and college readiness. I think the workshop that I, I would wanna teach is how to, this is a new normal, like we've all said, this, this virtual meeting space and the virtual workplace. So I think the training I would say is how to prepare your kids for the virtual workspace. It, and it has been really critical for us for us to talk through with our kids, you know, what is proper etiquette when you're on a virtual meeting? And with that, I will uh, I will bounce it to Ruben.
8: Okay. So what I would want to would teach and share is how to properly execute virtual events, because there's a, a proper way that we could do this even on Zoom, where we're creating live streaming events and not just live streaming meetings. So we want to create events that are still high level I'm going to pass it to Crystal.
7: So I remember someone saying, well, kids don't really want to take dance online, but I'm like, but they TikTok all day. So what you mean is they don't want to dance for dancing sake, they are about learning. So it's like an immediate gratification. It's like goal driven. You're working towards these little short 20 second goals. I think I would call it virtual agreements in dance, but looking at how to adjust what it is, how kids lead, what is the choreography, that when kids have the opportunity to self-record so we can put it together in iMovie, that everyone is actually, it starts to look like choreography and what you can do with technology to create digital choreography. But Erin, did I leave anything out? I'm gonna shoot to Erin since she is my colleague (laughs) here.
5: I don't know.
6: <laughs>
5: I think a workshop that I would love to share with my youth development colleagues is actually one that I took as a teaching artist at Moving in the Spirit We have monthly teacher trainings, and so about two teacher trainings ago, they facilitated a whole workshop about keeping students engaged in the virtual space, and there were so many things about the workshop that I really appreciated, and we were learning from each other as teachers, so the whole approach of the workshop was, well, the answers are in the room, and so how do we facilitate it so that we're all sharing the things that we've been learning throughout this time? So it felt organic, but it was also very purposeful and intentional. I I kind of forgot for a little while that I was doing this through a screen with someone, That's the best kind of virtual workshops. I really appreciated that experience. I think it's something I would love to share with other educators. And
9: I will pass it to Leah. One of the things that we spent a ton of time and energy on um, at the beginning of COVID was online safety. And we've talked a lot about, you know, we're, we're going to be in girls' living rooms or it's okay that their cameras aren't on, but training our coaches on delivering trauma-informed lessons and, and how to process the many things that our girls are processing. Not everyone is doing that. And Engaging with, with students online is, has always been scary, and we need to take that seriously. Self-care sounds kind of trite or, or trendy these days, but how can we, we nurture our own selves to be better for, our, for ourselves, for our families, and for our organizations and the kids that we serve?
6: You're up, Jeff. I think I, I would want to talk about self-care also. And just the importance of being kind to yourselves. Uh, this is a very difficult space that we're operating in, and uh, we're, op- you know, we're we're under a lot of stress. You know, it's important that 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 you kind of take stock of that and uh, and check it as much as you can. So I, yeah, I think it's it's definitely around being kind to yourselves and making sure you maintain both your mental and physical health.
3: just gonna appreciate all of these offerings. Guess what? I wrote, you can't tell because my virtual background, but I wrote them all down, and I'm gonna follow up with each of you because these are brilliant. So maybe mine would be something about the importance and the power of holding space and co-creating offerings uh, using using the incredible wisdom in the room. Having the privilege of being peer-to-peer with you all is life-giving. So thank you very much.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Vox ATL's Guide on the Side podcast series. Other episodes can be found on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com voxatl in the Apple podcast store and streaming on our website at voxatl.org. You can follow the rest of our guide on the side work at voxatl.org guide dash on dash the dash side slash. And if you like what you heard, you can always support our work by going to voxatl.org donate. For Vox Teen Communications, I'm Rich Eldridge.